Sir David Walker, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're at the Global Business Symposium, the New World Order after uh, the crisis. You were asked by the government to chair the inquiry in, in February 2009 into corporate governance. What do you think has been the result of that inquiry? I think there's been a general recognition that although the main political interest the media interest is in the need for tougher regulation. Actually, that can't alone do the trick. And it was therefore important, and I think far-sighted of the government, to say, let's look at the governance. What happens in the boardrooms of these major financial entities? I produced a report at the end of last year, and uh, I'm gratified that virtually all of my recommendations are on the way to being implemented if it's not already happened. And and that is quite an achievement for which we at the Cambridge Judge Business School should congratulate you. But you began your your talk by talking about the fall of the Iron Curtain, really going back some time, and about, because of that, and the trend towards globalisation, that now corporate governance was more important than ever before. Why do you think that? Because in the, in the uh, newly emerging world, uh, part of which, uh, much of which was previously not remotely democratic, there are now developing significant corporations that are competing in the world marketplace. Think of our Chinese competitors, for example. Moreover, uh, as the world has globalised in terms of trade flows, capital flows, technology flows, the ability of individual governments to determine what happens within their economy, to determine their own economic performance, is much more dependent on what's happening internationally. Uh, In that situation, the role of the major global corporation, many of which have grown hugely bigger over the last couple of decades, has become almost in some cases to rival the power and influence of national governments. I don't see this as necessarily a healthy competition. It's a fact of life. And so governments which are democratically elected are right to be attentive to how these major corporations are governed and how they're run and what their accountabilities are. And you think perhaps governments... Um, globally, and and the electorate too, I suppose, are capable of a bit of serious schizophrenia in in that we want sort of cheap credit, but, but, you know, there's got to be safe paybacks on on that. So so sometimes what we're demanding of the corporate world is inconsistent. Yes, I think in the financial area, I don't find it at all surprising that there is massive irritation, annoyance, frustration, anger on the part of the the great public in all our countries and the political uh, class and the media. But the fact is some of the things that seem politically attractive, ample credit, cheaply available to deserving borrowers, and totally safe banks are mutually inconsistent, at least to some degree. And what about then the the issue of financial risk? Um, Will there always be a need to kind of mitigate financial risk? Will will bankers always want to be gamblers? No, bankers won't. Some bankers probably will always want to be gamblers. Uh, It's important to step back and and recognise that any financial institution, let's take a bank or an insurance company, has as its core product 
some form of financial risk. It's writing risk as a hedging uh, insurance instrument for you on, on, or me on our lives or whatever, or making a loan which is an exposure to a small business which might not be able to repay. It is essential in our market economy system that we have institutions that are ready to provide those services that involve the assumption of risk by those entities and the mitigation of risk for we ourselves as their clients. Uh, My concern is that the way in which these entities uh, oversee and control the risk they take on should be much more professional uh, than it was before the crisis. And, And you came at the end of your talk to talking about three of your recommendations and one of those was pivotal because it's about how the boardroom functions in reality, not just in a crisis but functioning day to day. And you looked at the role of the chairman and the CEO and, and talked about the need for annual election of the chairperson. The government is, you said, implementing all of your recommendations. Was this one of the most controversial? It was very controversial with a lot of chairmen. Uh, I was considering mainly bank chairmen, but of course they've now seen that the relevance of the proposition is equally powerful uh, in my submission for all chairman and the proposition really is that the boardroom is so important a place in determining the performance of the company and its contribution to the economy that if it's ill-led inadequately led uh, there isn't real vigor in the chairman to do what needs to be done then he or she should be changed we just can't afford the luxury of failed or failing leadership But you think that the day-to-day management of an organisation relies on the CEO who begins and ends the process and then the management team takes over in between? Uh, The the proposition is that it's for the chief executive to to make proposals to his board, elected by the owners, uh, as to how the business uh, should approach a new strategy, an acquisition, a new geography, a new trading system. The board should then consider that very carefully. That is what the board is there for, should review the strategy, should examine it, should test it, should challenge it. At the end of that process, the board should come to a view that it supports the executive proposition or supports it conditionally, that it's introduced either slower or faster or with some modification, and then the executive is fully empowered to implement it. And that's the right sequence, and is sadly a sequence that was not achieved in some of the major financial institutions that got into difficulty in the last few years. And and just finally, two very important initiatives now at Cambridge Judge Business School. We have, you talked about the Cadbury Archive on Corporate Governance, the first chair in corporate governance. How important are these two new initiatives? The, the Robert Monks, uh, an American, and Adrian Cadbury, a fellow countryman of ours, made a huge contribution over the last 30 years plus to thinking about corporate governance and disseminating uh, developed ideas about best practice. They've been influential in the United States, in this country, the United Kingdom, and around the world. What I think is is so Uh, handsome is that we now have in the Judge Business School library but uh, with ready access online to anyone who wants to research all the materials that were available and used by Sir Adrian Cadbury in the construction of his first report which was seminal 
in its significance. And we've seen the digitized version of this archive, and it's really very exciting and will, I think, stimulate people to want to know how thinking developed. The Monk's Chair, to which Robert Monk's made a very significant personal contribution, is, I think, the first chair in corporate governance uh, in Cambridge in an area which, for the reasons we've discussed, I think is of immensely uh, great significance. Sir David Walker, we'll let you go and get your lunch now. Thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today, the Global Business Symposium, the New World Order After the Crisis. I've enjoyed it very much.